For those of you that uh, don't know me, or which I think most, pretty much everybody here has seen me up here before, my name is Joel Manival, and and um, my wife is Tammy over here, and I've got a couple of a couple of sons, and a I got a couple of sons, and then a beautiful daughter-in-law. <laughs> um, praise the Lord! Exactly. So um, I have the opportunity to uh, speak to you today. I'd, I'd asked Kent if I could. Um, I, my my day job is I'm a commercial banker at Arvest Bank, uh, but when I'm here at the church, I help out with the praise team, I teach, and most recently became the finance chair. And I don't know, just something about stepping into that role, it just made sense to to ask him for the opportunity to speak on giving. Um, it's something that I've experienced in my own life, you know, just how God can work through that Um and that, and here in a little bit, we're going to be, I'm going to have the opportunity to interview Gary Dumb and get his take on some things. Um, and what ought to be fun with that is he doesn't know what questions I'm going to ask yet. He just, in fact, I went over them just to make sure that he was good to go today. I'd forgotten to ask him ahead of time just to confirm. But anyway, um, excited about today. Um, one thing I, I, I used to be on staff at a church uh, several years ago, and I understand from that perspective, it is hard for pastors to, to get up and speak about giving. It's not hard. I mean, it's something that's in the Bible, um, but there's this, there's this thing behind the scenes, you know, well, you know, they're just saying it because they, you know, out of selfish motives or whatever. Uh, I, I'm not a paid staff member here at the church. You can know that I'm coming purely from, you know, I'm, I'm you know, coming from a position of, I'm just going to say what I think the Bible says about it. Um, so anyway... Uh, the Bible does say a lot about money, and, and if I was to, uh, I, I could load up a full day if you wanted to. We could talk about, there's a lot of verses out there. Uh, I had to drill it down because I've only got just a little bit of time to share with you today. And so I'm going to focus on three points that revolve around the question of how much should I give? The, uh, you know, one of the things that I grew up with and then we hear, you know, is it the tithe, which is 10%. And if I'm, an, if I'm a wage earner or if I've got a salary, is that off the gross or is that off the net? If I'm a, if I'm a farmer, if, I, if I'm a small business owner and my taxes you know, show that I don't make any money, does that mean I'm off the hook and don't have to give anything? You know, if I have my businesses structured in several different entities for tax or estate planning purposes, how do I figure out how much I should give when it's spread out amongst these different entities? I would love to be able to answer all those questions for you today. And I would be happy to visit with you afterwards. But I'm not going to answer those questions today. Rather, I want to, t- I want to focus on wh- what, it, what kind of attitude should I take as I'm trying to answer that question? How much should I give? So, without any further ado, we're going to jump in. First, I've got three points. I'm going to have two points, and then I'll ask Gary, and then I'll hopefully... With what we covered with Gary, we'll see. It ties in with the third point. If not, it may be... Well, we'll just see. So, first thing, a tithe. The tithe, a temp or 10%, I believe is a good biblical guide for how much I should give. In the Old Testament, you have the, the people of Israel who received the law. And within that law, they were required to give 10% to the Levites, who were the priests that ministered on their behalf to God. And that was a requirement by the law. There was also other offerings that they were told to give. But we see that as, as a key requirement that they had as giving unto the Lord. 
Now, here we are in, the, in a, you know, once we get to the New Testament, you see a debate going on between, within the church saying, you know what, are, are Gentiles, those people who aren't of Israel, are they required to adhere to the law? It was a big debate that they had, and they finally came to the conclusion and said, no, they are, we are not under the law when we're in the new covenant. So are we required as, as Bible-believing, Christ-following uh, people, are we required to give 10%? No. It's, we're not under the law. However, just because, something, just because we're not under the law doesn't mean we don't follow things that are in the law. We see time and time again several, several of the principles of the law. Honor your parents. Don't, don't steal. Don't lie. Uh, remain pure in your, in your marriage. All those things were brought over. Still as signs of what it looks like to, be, to live godly before, for, before Christ and before God. So just because we're not under the law doesn't mean we don't learn from it and take things and apply it to our lives. So I think that we can use the, the, the 10% as a guideline. Here's another reason why. If you've got your Bibles and want to look at Genesis chapter 14, we see a, a, the account of Abraham. He was known as Abram at the time. His nephew Lot had been carried off, uh, had been attacked and carried off by um, foreign kings. Abraham, being the faithful family member, goes after them, rescues Lot, plunders the kings, and is on his way back. He's met by a, a person by the name of Melchizedek, who is both the king of Salem, but also the priest of the Most High God. He is the one representing God to the people. And as he goes by there, uh, Melchizedek blesses Abram. And then also in response, Abram gives Melchizedek a tenth of everything that he had received as plunder. Now, the thing about that is, is this is before the law was ever established and 10% had never been given as a guideline. Abraham did that willingly. And so we see that 10% there. We see, interestingly enough, in the law, 10% is, is the guideline, the baseline. I think we've got pretty good evidence that 10% is a, is a good guideline for us to determine how much we should give. The second point I have is that giving expresses thankfulness and praise to God. Giving helps me remember that He is the Creator and that I am the creation. He's the Creator and I'm the creation. And as Creator, He's also my provider. Now, we could look at all these different verses in that, and the one that really stood out to me was this one, and it's in Deuteronomy 8, uh, verse 17 and 18. Now, in Deuteronomy, you have this, this setting is, is that the Israelites have been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They're getting ready to go into the promised land. Deuteronomy is a reiteration of the law to this generation as they're getting ready to go in. What he, and, and if you remember in the law, there's blessings and curses. That if you follow, my, if you follow God's command, you're going to be blessed. And if you don't, you're, there's going to be curses. And that was part of the relationship that God established with Israel. And God warns them. He says, now, when you are blessed, don't let it go to your head. That's, that's in the Greek, by the way. <laughs> no, not really. He didn't say don't let it go to your head, but he says this. Deuteronomy 8, 17. 
you may say to yourself, my power and my strength and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you, gives you the ability to produce wealth. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Now, how does this fly in our society? We're told to pursue goals and dreams, and if you set anything in your mind to it, you can achieve them. And we're in a society where that is highly possible for many. We can't let that go to our head. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he that gave you the ability to produce wealth. So I need to remember that I need him. He's my creator and ultimately my provider. I need him to help me in my job, to operate my farm, to help my crops grow, to run my business, to make decisions, to grant me favor, to help with making connections. I need him for, that all, for all of that. One way that we acknowledge this as the creator, the creation to the creator, is by giving. And it expresses thankfulness and praise to God, our creator and our provider. In light of those two things, I want to ask Gary Dumm to come up here. And like I said, I didn't, I didn't give him a heads up of what I was going to ask him, but he graciously agreed to come. Now, Gary, one of the things I was, when I was thinking about who I wanted to ask, I was hoping to find somebody that had been a believer for at least five years or so. Yeah. I, I fit that category. Okay, I just want to make sure we're on the, on the same page with that. Um, you know, actually, I'm probably near, very nearly one of the oldest ones of this church. Mm-hmm. Not the longest going here, but the oldest. Walter is a little older than I am. Oh, yeah. I want you, I want you to know that. So, for the okay. record, yes. Yeah, for the record. Yes. All right. This is being recorded. And so, no. <laughs> so, all right. So I want to ask you the question. When, when you and Paula first decided to start giving seriously, giving regularly to the Lord, and you know, I don't know how long ago that was, but in the very beginning, when you first made that commitment, how did you decide how much to give? How did you determine that? Well, you know, we've been married more than a few years. Okay. And I guess maybe we started that very thing of tithing back when we were first married. Uh, you know, after you get out of college, in that case, we were both in college, you don't always have a lot of money, and I, don't, I won't say we tithe at that point, but I think that was one of, the, one of the, we had several principles on which we came together. One was that we would never consider divorce. One was that we would always try our best to serve the Lord by tithing. <clears throat> that didn't always happen, but we've attempted to do that. So I'd say we've been uh, tithing for a, a long time. Okay. And what was it that made you, why, why did you decide to, to, to make that commitment? Well, I guess that's part of, part of what I was brought up with, mm. was that you know, you, you, I always knew about the tithe. And I, and I thought, well, that's, that's what the Word says. And uh, even though I wasn't a strong Word person at that point, and I've grown into that, um, it says that's what you're supposed to do. And, and, you know, Jesus said he didn't come to destroy the law, he came to fulfill the law. Mm-hmm. And so there's, as you mentioned very well a while ago, there, there are principles that he teaches that if you do this, you receive this. If you don't do this, you receive this. And, 
And so one of those for us has always been that we, uh, we did tithe. And I think it's important to realize that not only do you tithe, but there's more than a tithe. Mm. And it's very obvious to me because, you know, I, I, we, we, we worked for a while in industry and then we moved back to this church. And because I wanted to be a farmer, I am probably not one of the better farmers in the country. But I serve a God who is very able to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus because we respond to him in a manner that brings honor and glory to him. And so I, I say to you that oh, I have been amazed at how much money we have had available to us to do the sorts of things that God has called us to do. We've been doing mission work for a number of years, and we've never lacked for what we need to have to go do what he calls us to. That's a powerful thing in my life. Well, that, that kind of ties into one of the questions that I have. In what ways has your approach to giving changed over the years? And I think you've kind of talked about that, how, you know, you know it started out with the goal of tithing, but then it really became more than that. But even then, it, it took, it's like it's taken, taken to where you're really not even hitting a target. You're just, so can you speak to, how, how, is, how has your approach to giving changed in that regard? Like, what? As far as, like, yeah. do, you, do you have a goal in mind that I'm going to do this much, uh-huh. or do you... No, I don't have a goal. <clears throat> when you get and you have so much that you that you couldn't possibly spend it all if you tried, then that's a time that you need to be using it for God's kingdom. You know, we've had we've had that experience in Liberia. Who would have thought that this poor old dumb boy from Southwest Missouri on the sticks would have the opportunity to be involved in building, helping build a school in Liberia? But the, when they, I was saying, Lord, where am I going to come up with that much money? It's going to be a lot. I had a number, but I'm not going to tell you what it was, but it's going to be a lot. And, he, and I, I said, Lord, how am I going to do that? And I kept asking that, kept asking that. And he said one day, he said, you know, I've got you covered. You've got enough money, and I'll provide enough money that we'll, that we'll get that done. So we did, and it was a sizable amount. I'm not bragging about me. I'm bragging about my Lord. Mm. He's the one who gets the glory and honor for what he has done through us with money. A lot of people don't want to talk about money for the very reason you mentioned. Mm. Oh, that lot wants my money. No, I think God wants us, and then when he gets us, then he's willing to provide all we need to do what he calls us to do. So... In light of that, I've got two questions that are back-to-back, and they, they kind of... So how has your experience in giving enhanced your view of God? Well, you know, I, I've, I've had a long time to think about things like that. And my view of God changes quite regularly because I see more of, like, of what God is like. All you have to do is start reading the Word and looking and see about the principles that he has given us there. And as we do that, we begin to get a larger perspective of how big he is. Mm. I mean, he is, he is the power. We are not the power. Our giving is not an instrument to get him to give us more, but it's an instrument to bring glory and honor to him, which is rightfully his. 
So my, my concept of who God is and what he is has not fleshed out completely, thank you. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's changing, but I can tell you this, we have a God who will not leave you nor forsake you. Amen. So the flip side of that question, I asked you first, has your experience enhanced your view of God? So now how has your view of God enhanced your approach to giving? Whatever he says I'm supposed to do, I try to do it. Yeah. That's, that's exactly where it's at. Awesome. So as a final, final opportunity, because I'm going I'm to take the mic away from you. Mic away from mic you. Away from you. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> what encouragement would you offer to all of us? Well, it would be consider who God is, consider what he's given you, consider what you have available, and do it. Whether it, I don't care how you arrive with the 10% or how you arrive at the, at the amount above the 10%, but I say to you, the only thing that you can do is start doing it now, and you will be amazed at how he honors your giving <laughs> to bring him honor and glory. Awesome. Yes. You give Lord praise for Gary. Thank you. That fits in really well. Good words, huh? Yes. Is everybody encouraged by that? Yes. We could all go home, but I've got one more point. We start off with talking about the tithe or 10% is a good biblical guide for how much I should give. And that giving is an, expresses thankfulness or praise to God, our creator and provider. But I think we need to begin asking a better question. Rather than asking how much I should give, I think the better question is how should I give? See, how much puts a limit on it. I'm looking for i gotta go, I got to hit this target. But you heard Gary, he doesn't even set targets anymore. And so a, a better question that we can ask ourselves is, how should I give? Leave the much out of it. Because I think that the, and what we'll talk about here in just a little bit, is I think that, that how much should I give focuses that question inwardly. What can I afford? Whereas how should I give focuses on the worthiness to who I'm giving. Which is a point that he made in his, in his comments. So, how should I give? I'd like to encourage you, let's, let's turn in our Bibles to um, Hebrews chapter 11. If you're familiar with the Bible and have, have, uh, know about Hebrews 11, that is called the Faith Hall of Fame. Everybody has heard, heard that said before? Okay, they got people in there like Enoch and Moses and Noah and Abraham and all these people that are held up. David, the very first person that is mentioned is Abel. Hebrews 11.4, it says this. By faith, Abel brought God a better sacrifice or better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. Notice that phrase I have underlined there on the screen, that Abel still speaks. There's something about that, something about his gift that continues 
to tell us something. So, I thought of that phrase, Abel is never not speaking. Never not speaking. The verse says that his offering was given by faith so that there was something behind his gift that declared what he believed about God. And as I thought about this, this phrase came to my mind, you know, it's by faith. And I want to just, I want to give you this, this saying, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not a comprehensive saying, but it just came into my, uh, just kind of came as I was thinking about Abel. Faith demonstrates who we understand God to be, what we understand God to be like, how we understand God to work, and why we should give him thanks or praise. I'll say that again. Faith demonstrates who we understand God to be, what we understand God to be like, how we understand God to work, and why we should give him thanks or praise. I think of Abel's faith in this manner because what, he's, what he did made a statement about God. That's why he's committed for it. So let's take a look at what he did. Genesis chapter 4. I started out in the middle of 2 and ended at the middle of 5 just to keep the, keep the thing concise on the screen more than anything. Um, but it says, Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel brought an offering. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. And if you know the story, this is the event that really causes Cain to get bent out of shape, and it leads to some pretty rough circumstances. But I want to focus on the gifts. And this, don't, I don't want to say Abel's good, Cain's bad kind of thing. I want, us, I want us to take a moment and look and see what were they saying through their gifts. Okay? So when we look at Abel, the first thing that we have is that he gave the firstborn of his flock. It's my understanding, and scholars have said this, that why the firstborn was so important is because, you know, they would take, you know, if it's like, uh, you know, with its flock, you think sheep, you know, they take this, their best ram, and they take their best ewe, and they have them come together, and that, you know, if it's the best and the best, then what they have is the best. And that firstborn represented, they didn't use these words, but in our day, the genetic potential for future success. All the, all the characteristics of this one and this one are now wrapped up into this one, and I've got, I've got something I can really build a great future on. This is going to provide for my family. It's going to make them stronger, whatever characteristics that they were looking for. So that firstborn represented my hope for tomorrow. So what we see with, with Abel is he makes a conscious decision to say, everything, makes, everything in our common knowledge makes sense to keep this firstborn. But I'm willing to give it. And he, in doing that, he's making a statement about what he, what he believes to be true about God. 
By sacrificing the firstborn, he's saying, I'm giving up everything I know to do to provide for myself, and I'm putting my hope and confidence in you. Everything tells me I should keep this, but I'm going to willingly give it for him. Okay? So that's, the, that's one thing that Abel's gift said. The other part is it says that he gave the fattest or the best tasting portions. Why do you say best tasting? How many know that when bacon is frying in the pan, it smells really, really good? The reason it smells good and the reason it tastes good is the fat. Right? If you're cooking a steak, it's the, it's the fat on there. Now, I don't always eat the fat, but it, man, it just sure enhances the flavor. All with me? Okay. So think about this. If you would flip to the next slide, please. If you've been in agriculture, you know that there are different grades of meat. You'll see up here, left to right, prime is like... I mean, that's as good as it gets. It's got a nice fat covering on the, in, on the outside. It's got a good marbling in the center. And it's juicy, tender goodness. Right? You go to the center, that's choice. That's a good steak. On the end, select. Yeah, you can tenderize it, marinate it, and throw some stuff on it, you know, maybe to help it out. But it's not going to be the same as the prime. So think about this. It says, Abel gave some of the fat portions of his firstborn. They didn't have ultrasounds that could tell how much fat covering was in those animals. He kills kills the firstborn, makes a conscious decision to do that. And then he's fixing it. And he sees the fat portions. And he could have made this decision. Let me, let me, let me give this as a little... My kids were, uh, showed livestock in the fair. And we showed fat steers and, you know, did all right with that. But it, there's always, you know, you work with that animal and you, and you feed it, you care for it, and you break it to lead, and you do all these things. And its days are numbered. After the show is over, there's that decision that has to be made. You know, either you're going to sell it or you're going to butcher it. Because it can't just live on forever. I guess you could. But anyway, the conscious decision comes into play. Well, if I've, if I've got to part with this, at least I'm going to get some good steaks. Tasty. If, I've, if, I'm going to, if I'm going to have to do something I don't really want to do, at least I can get some good steaks out of it. Think about Abel. He's already given the firstborn, which represents his hope for tomorrow. He opens it up, and he could say, well, at least I could get a good meal out of this. He says, I'm going to give that away too. So not only has he made a statement of trust, but he's made a statement of worth. So in that gift, 
we just you know we we just read words. I really hadn't until I got was preparing this. I really hadn't even thought about this. But Abel's gift was making a powerful statement. Why is it powerful? There was no law to require that he do any of that. This was way hundreds, thousands of years before the law was ever given. This was way before Abraham even demonstrated the tenth. With no guidance, he willingly did this. That caused him to, his, his giving to make a statement that is still speaking today. Do we see anything like that elsewhere in the scriptures? Think about the woman with the alabaster jar. She's getting ready to, she, she comes in, she, she takes this jar that would, would have been worth so much. She breaks it open and starts anointing Jesus' feet with it. Jesus' disciples are freaking out saying, that, that's worth a lot of money. We could have given, sold that and given it to the poor. She was making a statement of who she believed Jesus to be. If you think about um, the widow that gave two pennies. Remember Jesus and his disciples are sitting in the temple and there's, there's people giving these big gifts, big gifts, whatever. And this widow comes along unassumingly. Nobody's paying attention to her, but Jesus sees her. And she gives two pennies. And Jesus said, did you see that? She gave more than everybody else. Why? It was all that she had. He says that she gave more than everybody else did because she was making a statement about who she believed God to be. Back to Gary's point. Think about in the church of Macedonia, you got 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. I almost went there with some scriptures. That's where you see that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Everybody should give as they feel led in their heart to give. It's in that section of scripture. But, but Paul is commending the church of Macedonia because they're going through this intense persecution and they are in extreme poverty. And yet they are asking, begging for the opportunity to give to help provide for the, the church in, Israel, or in Jerusalem. And he commends them for their, their faith and their generosity. And, and that's a, if you want to spend time on any section of it talking about giving, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is powerful. So we see this being echoed the statement that Abel made has been made by others too. How should I give? Not necessarily how much. So what about Cain? It says that, and we've got to be careful not to beat up on Cain, but it says that he, he gave some of his produce. We don't know what he produced. It doesn't say if it's fruits, vegetables, or grain. Um, in my mind, I, when I think about this, I was thinking about my days when I worked at the elevator or with my family, my wife's family who farms, specifically about wheat. You know, if you produce multiple fields of wheat, you may have this one field over here that, is, that has got maybe some cheat in it and, you know, some weeds growing up in it. And it looks like it's got some disease and, you know, the, you kind of know that the, the kernels inside are not going to be the best quality in that. And then you got this field over here that has like the perfect stand. It's all full. It doesn't have any weeds, no sign of disease. And you know that that wheat is going to be like really, really good. And you have to decide, well, I'm going to keep some of this for seed for next year. 
So am I going to keep this disease-ridden, lighter test weight stuff over here for my seed, or am I going to keep this better quality stuff over here for my seed? It's kind of the equivalent of the firstborn, if you think about it, with Abel. Because there's a contrast here, it appears that Cain decided to keep this for himself. It doesn't say that, but it doesn't say he gave the best or the first. Now, if it was wheat, you know, was it because he, he says, well, I've got to have that because if I'm going to have a crop next year, I've got to have the best quality over here. So I need to keep this for myself. Or if it was, I think about tomatoes, you know, you, you got this, this kind of weak colored scrawny little tomato over here and you got this really nice lush, lush one over here. It's like, yeah, this one's going to taste good on my BLT. And I'm going to give this one. We don't know if it was because he wanted the, you know, the, because of the taste or the production. For whatever reason, it just says that Cain gave some. So, was there a statement being made with that? Cain's giving revealed what he believed to be true about God. We think about this elsewhere in the Bible. You've got Saul. Saul was told by Samuel, God wants you to go and attack the Amalekites, and he wants you to wipe out everybody. King, women and children, livestock included. Clean the slate. We could talk about why God would do that, but that's not the point of the conversation. The fact is, is that Saul, when it came to actually doing it, there are two things that he kept. One was the king because he wanted a trophy. And the other one was, and it said, I hadn't realized this until I was reading the story again. It says something to the effect of they couldn't bring themselves to destroy those animals. They kept the best ones because they couldn't just, they couldn't, bring themselves to destroy them. And for that, because of Saul's disobedience, he gets removed from being king. Because he made a statement through that act. What about Ananias and Sapphira? I think Kent mentioned them last week. You know, they they sold a piece of property and they told everybody that they gave it all but they kept some of it back for themselves secretly, not thinking anybody would notice. They were making a statement about what they believed to be true about God when they did that. So, I think we need to begin asking ourselves, how should I give? This is a, I'm going to wrap it up, looking at the time. I don't, Christina, do you mind coming up and just playing a little bit? Just as we kind of wind things down, I don't think we're going to close with a song. I'll just I'll pray. Excuse me. So the question of how much I should give, or should I give, can turn my focus toward the minimum amount. To I look at just at me. That's you know if you think about Cain or or Saul or whatever they they didn't they couldn't see. They were reasoning with their mind what they should do. Not that we don't use our mind to be good stewards. We are told in the Bible to be good stewards of what God has entrusted to us. We have to use our minds on that. But to Gary's point, if we feel led that we're supposed to do something, or if, if, 
in our hearts, there's like, I recognize the goodness and greatness of God, and I'm going to do this. That's where the question of how should I give comes into play. But when we focus on how, how much should I give, I think all of us start out, my wife and I started out with that, how much should we give? I, I think it's, it's natural for that to be a starting point. But we need to move beyond that. Because God is looking more for why we're giving, not what we're giving. Because our giving makes a statement about who we believe or what we believe to be true about God. So how much should I give can turn my focus toward the minimum amount, which can hinder my view of God. But how should I give turns my focus outward toward the worthiness of the one to whom I'm giving. If you go ahead and click for that next part. Think in terms of Abel again. Abel's giving demonstrated who he understood God to be, what he understood God to be like, how he understood God to work, and why he should give him thanks or praise. Abel's giving was making a statement of faith. So, how should I give? To summarize these three points. One, the tithe or 10% is a good biblical guide for how much I should give. Two, giving expresses thankfulness and praise to God, who is our creator and our provider. And three, we need to begin asking, how should I give? Because our giving, and I'm going to throw in there, our praying, our fasting, our serving, and etc. Why? Because if you look in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus, where Jesus, you know, he tells, his disciples say, teach us to pray. And he tells, you know, when you pray this, you know, it's in that section. There's a lot that's said about money in that section too. But he says, when you give, give in secret for your father in heaven who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you pray, pray in secret for your father in heaven who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you fast, fast in secret For your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Those are all grouped together in three. So I think that our giving, our fasting, praying, serving, etc. reveals to God what we believe to be true about him. So those are my three points. I am... uh, I'm happy if, if you know there's if you have specific questions. I don't claim to be an expert on any of it, but I mean, if you have any specific questions regarding you know a particular your particular situation where you've got you know the deal with the multiple entities and, and that, or if you've got a farm and it doesn't show that it ma- you know makes any income, I, I'm like I said, I'm a commercial lender. I understand those finance pieces of it, and I, I'd be happy to talk with you from that perspective. Uh, I'm not going to try and loan you money or anything this would be you know I just uh, it's one of those I'd just be happy to visit with you in the context of this here if you're trying to wrestle through and, and come up with a starting point or whatever the main thing is is that in all of this I think that final point is is that God is really looking for us like what Gary said he's looking for us where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. 
Jesus said that. I can't take credit. So let's all stand and we're just going to close with prayer. Father, thank you for today and thank you for the opportunity that uh, I've had to speak. Lord, I put my hope and my trust in you that whatever was supposed to get through, got through. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for the testimony that we got to hear from Gary and the encouragement that that brings and motivation. Lord, ultimately, we know that there may be a day where we find ourselves... It's fine to sit here and talk about this stuff in church, but we know that there's going to be those moments where, if you want to call it that crisis of belief, that point in time where we say, I'm going to do it because I want to make a statement about you. Not for everybody else to see, but for you to see. God, be with us when we come to those points where we're making those decisions. And giving with the kind of generosity that we've seen with Abel and the woman with the alabaster jar and whatever. Lord, we know your word says we shouldn't give out of guilt or compulsion. or you know that So I, I pray that nobody here would be, feel pressured to give more than what they already are. But Lord, that each person here would be led by you. Because as we've seen with Gary and I've seen in my own personal life, this is something that is, is it's just... It's not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing part of the relationship. So Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to walk with us and you know exactly where we're at today and you're patient. But you also will challenge us and encourage us to take that next step or to push just a little bit farther because you have something that you want to show us and reveal to us about you. So Father, we thank you for today again. We just give you praise, glory, and honor in everything. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.